If you've grown up in the evangelical church, you've certainly heard the term Babylon at some point. Babylon is most famously known for being the brutal empire that conquered God's people and carried them off into exile. But are you aware that Babylon is actually much more than that? Did you know that Babylon was established soon after the flood and that it later became the symbol for everything that is in rebellion to God's authority? Are you aware that God clearly sees Babylon as being a threat now to every believer and warns us to distance ourselves from her? Have you realized that the entire world is engulfed in the spirit of Babylon and is headed toward outright insurrection against the lordship of Jesus? Hi, I'm Nate Dancer, the host of Purity for Life, and I'd like to welcome you to our summer series, Babylon the seat of Satan's power. In this series, we're going to take a deep look at this incredibly relevant subject. We'll explore what Babylon really is, what its goals are, and how it's seeking to accomplish them. We pray that this series will teach you how to identify where you are vulnerable and will teach you how to walk in freedom and purity. Thanks again for joining us for our newest series, Babylon, the seat of Satan's power, Stay with us. For over 35 years, we've been ministering to men and women who have been devastated by sexual sin. And our goal, in part, is to help them see what the real roots of sexual addiction are and then to offer them the liberating truth of God's word. So here's one of the real roots of sexual addiction, love of the world. Now, I don't have the time right now to lay out the case for this, and really, the whole series is aimed at helping you understand why separating from the world is not only an absolute must as a professing Christian, but also why you can never be free from sexual sin until you do. Or let me say it this way, why answering the call to come out of Babylon will also lead you into liberty in every way, including sexual sin. Each of our shows will feature a monologue from Pastor Steve Gallagher based on his book, Intoxicated with Babylon, The Seduction of God's People in the Last Days. We'll also include an interview that will touch on some of the themes laid out by Pastor Steve. And then, at times, we'll be recording some staff discussions that will help make these topics practical and relevant to your daily life, which we'll either include in the show itself or as bonus content and then let you know how to get access to that. All right, let's get into it. Hi, my name is Steve Gallagher, and I'm the president of Pure Life Ministries. I want to welcome you to our new video series, Babylon, the Seat of Satan's Power. In 1996, I wrote a book called Intoxicated with Babylon, The Seduction of God's People in the Last Days. That book, which has sold tens of thousands of copies, came about as a result of two incidents that had occurred in my life prior to this. The first came about 11 years before when the Lord convicted me about watching television. 
When I started sensing the Lord's disfavor on this nightly practice, I couldn't for the life of me understand what could be wrong with watching reruns of the streets of San Francisco or other comparatively mild shows of the time. All I knew was that the Lord was making it clear that He wanted us to get rid of our TV set. So we did it. It took a few months before the mystery cleared up for me. Just like a cigarette smoker can go into a smoke-filled room and not even notice the smoke, I was being subtly influenced by a very powerful spiritual atmosphere without even being aware of it. Once the spiritual fog had cleared from my eyes, it became crystal clear to me how the enemy was using television and other forms of worldly media to intoxicate Christians into a spiritual stupor. That separation gave me the ability to discern what others did not seem to see. I became very sensitized to how the spirit of the world was influencing the body of Christ. Also clear to me was the fact that worldly entertainment took men down a path into that spirit. It would then only be a short step into adult entertainment and worse. And here is why this subject came to play such a vital role in my ministry to men in sexual sin. Being a worldly-minded Christian made one extremely vulnerable to the powerful pull of pornography. Once caught in its grip, a Christian would find himself on a slippery slope into the ever-darkening world of perversion. The deeper into sexual sin he went, the more he would find himself in league with the spirit of the world. If he was to break free from the addiction of pornography and sexual sin, he would have to first break free from the hold the world had on his heart. The second thing that happened in my life occurred in 1993 when I spent some 1,200 hours doing a very deep study of the book of Revelation. I was literally spending 40 hours a week immersing myself in this book of mysteries. This nine-month study wasn't an academic pursuit. It was a deeply moving spiritual experience that had a profound effect on my life. Shutting off the brash voice of the world into my life allowed me to feel, at some level, what John experienced. As I worked my way through Revelation, I eventually came to chapter 14 where I read, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. What does that mean, I wondered. That sent me into a deep investigation of this city that is mentioned over 250 times in Scripture. What I discovered was fascinating. I found that the ancient city of Babel, named Babylon in the Greek, was built in outright rebellion to God and was not merely a historical place, but the genesis and type of something far more sinister. Babylon represents forces of darkness that are bent on luring people into a unified mindset against the Most High God. This ancient evil will soon be in full control of the world. The world's population, including most professing Christians, is now fully engulfed in this spirit. My book, Intoxicated with Babylon, covers much of this in startling detail, but my awareness of the activity of the spirit of the world has only deepened over the years since I wrote it.
Today, perhaps more than at any time in human history, the spirit of Babylon has a stranglehold on humanity. Humanism, postmodernism, and radical individualism have copulated and produced a myriad of demonic progeny, abortion, sexual promiscuity, and anarchy, just to name a few. In this series of videos, I intend to expose how this ancient evil has been working silently but relentlessly, both in history and in our current day, to bring the entire world into a willful subservience to Satan. But to fully explain how this has come about, we must go back into ancient history and briefly examine the roots of Babylon and how Satan was able to use men to bring it about. This we will do in the following three episodes. To do that, we must travel back into ancient times, further back even than the formation of the city of Babylon. We must go all the way back to a time when Satan completely ruled the world. So in this first show here, I want to make sure that we can help you see that there is a really clear connection between the topic that we're covering in this series and sexual sin. Because what we are saying and what we will continue to say is that when you're being influenced by the spirit of the world and when you're immersing yourself in the things that the world offers, you are creating a spiritual environment around you and even inside of you that makes you very vulnerable to sexual sin. But the problem is, when you're in sexual sin, it's extremely difficult to see this connection. It's like if you have an unknown food allergy. You can eat the same thing over and over and over again and experience all kinds of problems, but you don't make the connection. You are causing the problem because of what you are doing. So I brought Luke Imperato, our Director of Residential Counseling, into the studio to help make this connection very clear. Okay, so Luke, uh, in this first interview here, I think what we want to help people see is that there's a really clear connection between the topic that this whole series is covering, which is basically worldliness mm -hmm. um, and sexual sin, because what we learned from Pastor Steve ourselves when we were in the program and what we tell our counselees and what we continually promote to people in our podcasts and whatever else we do is that one of the main factors in overcoming sexual sin is learning to cut ourselves off from the spirit of the world because when your whole life is centered around just going after what the world offers then you're creating a spiritual environment inside of yourself that's going to make you really vulnerable to sexual sin. And I think that that connection is not readily understandable. It's not super clear, especially mm -hmm. if you're in sexual sin yourself. You just don't see it. it it's kind of like somebody who's continually having intestinal problems mm -hmm. and they don't even realize that they have a food allergy. They're like, why is this happening mm -hmm. to me? You know, but they're the one that's perpetuating this problem because they keep eating the thing that's causing the issue. So I think I want to dive into that a little bit more right up front. 
from your perspective, what is it about worldliness that is making um, our inside world a perfect place for sin to thrive? When I was thinking about this question, what came to mind was the fact that the root behind sexual sin, or what really makes a sexual sin lifestyle thrive, Mm -hmm. is selfishness. Okay. Okay. And we don't have to conjure that up. It comes naturally. We don't have to work to become selfish. So when I look at worldliness and then connect that to just my natural tendency to love myself, my natural tendency to just protect self, to do whatever self wants, well, worldliness then could be almost defined as just the pursuit of any earthly pleasure or passion or desire or anything that myself wants. And so when I think of that's the message of the world, and then that's the kind of natural tendency in my heart that we know produces sexual sin, it should be no surprise to us that if I keep feeding a selfish worldliness, if I feed those things together, I'm going to produce a life of sexual sin. Mm-hmm. They go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That That's good. That's helpful because... I think what you're, yeah, what you're basically saying is that um, I'm already selfish mm-hmm. by nature, and part of that selfishness is going to be like I just want to indulge my sexual passions, which all sure. of us have, and then this world spirit is basically saying, mm-hmm. yeah, do that, just whatever you want, whatever you crave, sure. go for it. Mm-hmm. So that that helps to understand how that selfishness can be fostered by the worldly spirit. And we'll get into maybe some of the other Mm -hmm. connections that would be harder to see, like, well, but what does my love for baseball have to do with my Mm -hmm. sexual sin? Or what is my love for collecting, who knows, whatever. Stamps. Stamps. (laughs) So sensual in nature. Yeah, that's a real problem out there. So we'll talk about some of that later. But let's step back for a second from maybe some of the application parts, and let's talk about why, why is God so adamant about being separate from the world? If we go back to it's a chain reaction that I'm seeing a lot of sexual sin in my life because I'm selfish, Mm -hmm. and I know that the world fosters selfishness, Mm -hmm. okay? So if I look at it from that perspective that the world is going to foster selfishness, which is the reason why I'm in sexual sin, then the Lord is going to be adamantly opposed to anything in our life that's going to produce sinful behavior. So... If worldliness, which is thriving in a selfish mindset, or even if selfishness thrives in a worldly environment, then the Lord's going to say, I don't want that worldliness, I don't want that influence in your life. We have to just kind of look at it. Sometimes I find it just helpful to look at it through the lens of Scripture Mm -hmm. and just let the Word of God tell me what's right or wrong. So if the Word of God is saying that something is evil or something is dark or not right, there's times where we just have to believe that. Mm 
Yeah, right. <laughs> and Without stop. needing like a complex explanation. Yeah, exactly. And so when I, I look at a verse like John 2, and I'll just read it, John 2, 15 through 16. Sorry, it's 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. Where John says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right there, in just that verse, is a compelling argument that if you're in love with the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. Mm -hmm. That should be a huge warning. Like, even John, or I guess the really it's like the Holy Spirit's trying to explain this reasoning through John by saying that for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life— is not from the Father. He's trying to explain it. He's like, this thing that you love and you're holding on to, this thing of the world, this worldliness, is not of me. The Living Bible, listen to how it says it. For all these worldly things, these evil desires, the craze for sex, the ambition to buy everything that appeals to you, the pride that comes from wealth and importance, these are not from God. And we just have to Mm. stop and realize that, okay... Mm-hmm. The Lord is adamantly opposed to things that are not of him. And he's trying to make a connection here that worldliness, the things of this world, these passions, these desires, they're not of me. And if you love them, then how can you claim to have a relationship with me? Because they're not of me. Yeah, yeah. They're enemies. They're enemies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because like, we know the world is perishing. We know this world is coming to an end and the Lord is going to judge his enemies. Mm-hmm. But we, we read in several places throughout Scripture like that God takes no pleasure in like destroying the wicked. He, like, he's patient and he's kind, hoping that all would come to repentance. Like He doesn't want to destroy. He doesn't want to judge in that way. Um, he wishes that we would all come to repentance. So when the Lord is telling us to separate from the things of this world, he's like, I, because I don't want to judge you. I don't want to harm you. And I don't think that we oftentimes connect worldliness with the judgment of God. That's the reality. But when, I mean, maybe I had read this scripture before coming to Pure Life, but I never saw it in this kind of light. We all know the story, well, most of us, let's say, we know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, where God rained down fire from heaven and destroyed these cities Mm -hmm. because they were full of all this immorality and sin and everything that was going on in there. And in our mind, we think... They were just like a nonstop party city <laughs> full mm. of obvious evil. Just like it must have been a terrible place. Just, yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like the French Quarter or something <laughs> you know, like, like this that. This is yeah. horrible. It's, it's about time God judged it. Right. But when I look at Ezekiel, God gives us a little opening into the heart or behind the scenes as to what was actually going on in Sodom and Gomorrah and what was their actual heart issues. And Ezekiel 16, 49 and 50, this is the Lord speaking. He says, look... This was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Mm. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Mm. Fullness of food, pride, abundance of idleness. 
I'm like, wait a minute, that was, that's what was really going on in Sodom and Gomorrah? It, you could almost get, even in that verse, you can almost get the sense that they were, it was just worldliness. Mm-hmm. They were just living for the here and now, living for their pleasures and their desires. They pursued whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said that was, wow. that was the iniquity of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's, that's good to see because maybe if we could be transported back in time and actually just live there for a day, maybe it would just kind of look like a nice beach town in Florida. Exactly. You know, where yeah. everybody's just enjoying life. Yeah, and, and that's exactly where it's like, okay, we don't see that as dangerous, but the Lord does, and he's crying out and trying to put a warning in there. So do not be caught up in that mindset mm-hmm. because it's, it's going to lead to destruction, Okay, so let me get your take on something, because I know that the objection just comes up in people's minds when we start talking about worldliness, which is like, okay, so let's connect maybe some practical things to worldliness. Being really involved in politics or obsessed with sports or just lots of time on the internet, social media, entertainment, and I think a lot of people go, whoa, whoa, okay, hold on. So you're saying that this is like inherently a sin, how do you respond to somebody who kind of gets on the defensive about worldly things? It's hard because um, I don't know if you can make a blanket statement that applies to everyone. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of these things, it would be nice if there was just clear-cut rules. These are the, you know, <laughs> right. you're allowed 45 minutes on <laughs> right. the internet a day and you will be a Christian. Right. Yes, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> doesn't work that way. <laughs> but um, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And I think we need to examine our lives. Where is my treasure? What do I value? What do I put a lot of time into? Mm-hmm. Because that really is where my heart is at. Mm. So you just have to do an inventory of your life and realize, okay, while it may not be evil in itself, but if I'm spending all this time on entertainment, sports entertainment, following politics, and then I've got my hobby, and then I've got my job, and then it's just like when I run a typical, let's say, seven days, I could look at, well, maybe 5% of that time was spent with the Lord out of a seven-day period of time. I guess that's the conclusion of the matter. But if you look at the seven-day period of time and say, where was like most of my time spent? Yeah. It's just like, wow, I maybe I don't treasure the Lord as much as I really claim to or think I do. Yeah, yeah. And the Lord's just like, well, you want to know where your heart is? Just look at what you treasure. Look at what you value. Yeah, that's good because I think when I really studied that portion of Scripture in First John 2, what I realized was that what was being represented was not like this blatantly immoral and flagrantly sinful lifestyle, but just a life that shuts God out, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't have time for God yeah, because I've got too many other things going on. I'm pursuing what my flesh wants. I'm pursuing what I see with my eyes and what I want, and I'm just kind of full yeah. of this pride. And I think even maybe some pretty decent people could be living in that spirit just because I just don't have time for God. That's the bottom line, you know. God has been shut out by the things I've given my life to. So yeah, taking an inventory and just saying, yeah, where is my heart actually is, yeah, 
It's that's right. That sounds really good. Okay, so let's say that somebody's listening and they decide that they're going to take stock and and they just realize, wow, yep, my life mm-hmm. is really on the side of giving my heart to the world, but I really do want to begin to, I want the balance of my life to shift. I want to love God with my whole heart. Um, What kind of guidance do you give to somebody who is trying to create a separation between the things of the world and their heart? Because I think it can sound like, unless you're reading the Bible and praying, then Mm -hmm. Everything else is dangerous, sinful. You got to get rid of everything, and you got to basically become like, like a monk. Um, <laughs> how do you counsel someone along those lines? Well, first of all, I do want to just pull out what you said there. That everything else is you, you'd said sinful, I think, and, and dangerous. But I would say that it is truth to say that everything in this world is dangerous. Mm. <laughs> it is dangerous. Yeah, the enemy is looking for ways in. As soon as you, we leave our prayer closet, that holy of holies, like you're talking about, that, that time with the Lord, as soon as we leave out from that, we're in a war zone and the enemy is looking for ways to attack. Mm. So a lot of the things of this world really are dangerous. And we just that doesn't mean that we'll get hurt by them, but they're just dangerous. Just be careful. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Um, but I would say that the first thing, if you're looking to really get serious with your walk with the Lord, especially if you're struggling with sexual sin, the most important thing in to do would be to cut off. You need to start cutting things off. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a uh, going back to a, an examination or an inventory, I find this to be helpful because when we ask ourselves, or if someone were to ask you, what's the most important thing in your life? Mm-hmm. The Christian answer is, well, you know, following Jesus or, you know, following the Lord. That's my most important thing in my life. Okay, good answer. But if, in reality, I were to change the order of things and, let's say, put family, job, career, hobby on top of that and make those the most important things in your life, in reality in your daily life, what would actually change? Mm, Okay, Uh uh-huh. And if you find that there wouldn't be a radical change in your life, I think you need to be a little more brutally honest with yourself and realize that maybe my profession of faith is all that. It's just talk. Mm. It's just an outward form of godliness. Mm. I like how James says this because he kind of makes it's not an excuse, but it's just a reality. He's like, if you're hearing a lot of the word but not doing it, so I, I'm hearing all of this truth that the Lord has to be number one in my life, but I'm not actually implementing those things in the reality of my life. The product is you're going to be deceived. He says the product is deception. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, it's not an excuse, but it's okay. Like, you're going to be deceived if that's what you've been doing. Understand that and realize that, okay, some things need to change in my life. Mm, mm-hmm. Like recognize that, okay, actually, yeah, when I did that inventory and if I switched some things around, actually nothing would change in my life. So I don't really know that God is the most important thing in my life. But I don't feel that way. Well, that's okay. You're deceived. Mm. <laughs> that's what James says will happen. That's okay. 
get brutally honest with the Lord and say, mm-hmm. okay, God, you you have to do a radical work. Hmm. You have to change hmm. the way I see things. You have to really uh, show me in my life where I'm wrong. What mm-hmm. things do I need to cut off? If we're not willing to cut those things off, then I don't think you're going to find the victory that you're looking for. Yeah. It's just not totally going to happen. Yeah. Uh, because this world will foster every kind of sexual perversion and selfish lifestyle you could imagine. Yeah, yeah. And you you could even find that kind of teaching in a church. Mm-hmm. So if you're not really willing to make some serious decisions to cut things mm-hmm. off, you, you're not going to find victory. Yeah, and again, you have to ask yourself, what's more important? Mm-hmm. What's the most important thing in my life? Because I'm claiming one thing. I'm claiming that I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but I'm yeah. not willing to yep. cut this off, cut this off, yeah, cut yeah, this yeah. off. And it's just like, well, I think you're deceiving yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've used the illustration before that it's like, you know, let's say that a person has a pretty healthy lifestyle, but they drink, mm-hmm. you know, a shot of poison once a day. Sure. You know, how are they going to feel? They're going to feel miserable, you mm-hmm. know, but it's like, but I'm working out and I'm eating mm-hmm. what, eating right and I'm doing all this mm-hmm. stuff, but I just feel miserable. You say, uh, sure. that's poison. Mm-hmm. You need to stop drinking that. Oh, but I really like it. Oh, well, okay. Then <laughs> there is literally nothing you can do to stop feeling the way you do until you, until you stop doing that. And that's really how it's going to be. You know, if you're not willing to give up Netflix, if you're not willing to give up social media, if you're Mm -hmm. not willing to give up things that clearly Mm -hmm. are leading you consistently into sin, you will be in sin for the rest of your life, period. No matter how much you cry out to God, read the Bible, go to church, all that. just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. No. Because you're not following Him. He told you, get rid of it. Yeah. And you're not listening to Him. Yeah. I mean... Even in the area of sexual sin, when Jesus said, if your right eye mm-hmm. causes you to sin, pluck it out, right arm, cut it off, you know? Yeah. He was referring to sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We have to be willing to do that when it comes to worldliness and the influences of this world. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just amazing. Like, we can feel like, oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do without it. Mm-hmm. But we can both tell, we can both say from testimony mm-hmm. that once you are without it mm-hmm. and you experience the liberty and the joy of not having that cloud of mm-hmm. lust hanging over your head, man. Yeah. It's like you just, yeah, you don't want to go back to that. Yes. And you also become very sensitive. After living in that kind of freedom from the world, you do become very sensitive. Now, mm-hmm. looking back, or maybe watching an old movie or watching, yeah. doing something that you used to do, and you're like, wow, man, this just has a different feel mm-hmm. than it did when I was watching it 10 years ago or something yeah, like yeah. that. And you're like, yeah, this was much more worldly, much more uh, sensual even, or pulling my flesh into this than I realized. Yeah, yeah. It's so worth it. Um one thing we've said a number of times, uh, I know Pastor Ed Book has said it a lot to the men, is just that God is not only calling us out, mm-hmm. but he's also calling us in. So he's not just calling us out of the world, but he's calling us into something. 
Sure. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, and that is actually really important because if I don't have hope <laughs> of where I'm going, or if I don't have uh, inspiration, mm-hmm. <laughs> like or a goal, for me, it's very hard to get motivated to do something if I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true probably for several people. And so if I just took this topic and if my takeaway was these are all the things you can't do yeah, and just make sure you don't do any of these things, well, while in some degree it actually might be helpful, it really doesn't give you the full picture and it leaves you fairly like – well, this is hopeless. This is just dark. And how is this any better than? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to be miserable. Yeah, like this isn't. And that's not That's not the heart of God. He says, at my right hand are pleasures evermore. You know, he's like, I love you. I am full of life and joy. So I have to remember that that's where the Lord is taking me through all of this. And my enemy is my flesh and the Mm -hmm. world just breathes life into my flesh. So when the Lord's saying, don't do this, put this off, it's because it's slowing me down or hindering me like Hebrews 12, or like tearing me down, taking me down from true life where the Lord's trying to lead me. And it's very scriptural in Ephesians 4 when Paul was talking about the whole concept of putting off and putting on. In Ephesians 4, verse 22, he starts off by saying that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. You can almost kind of get that same verbiage in there, the deceitful lusts, mm-hmm. the lusts of this world. Like It's like, oh, wait a minute. He's talking about that same kind of thing, and he's saying, put off, put off. Don't do that. Be careful. It's dangerous. All right, but he doesn't stop there. He says, but in verse 23, be renewed. In the mm. spirit of your mind, you need to spend time with the Lord mm-hmm. and have Him renew your mind mm-hmm. and put into you the truth. That's where that time that you're talking about, like that quiet time, that prayer time, that devotional time, time of worship, where I'm spending time with the Lord and He's renewing my mind. But then He's like, okay, if you do that, there is a result. Yeah. And it's a good thing, He says in verse 24, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. And he goes on in in chapter 5, and he talks about, though once your heart was full of darkness, now it is full of light Mm, mm. from the Lord. And our behavior should show that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like in Galatians 5, when Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's like, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's like, at the end of it, he's like, there's no law against these things. Mm. He's like, does anyone have a problem with the fruit of the Spirit? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Well, no, I want love, joy, peace. I want those things. self-control, gentleness. I want all that. I want all of the things that the Holy Spirit has. He's like, okay, well, then you need to put off your former life. And all of the things that so easily entangle you and, and feed those lusts and the things of your yep. flesh. And I would throw something in there that if you're living in sexual immorality and you're looking to make radical changes because you know that something has to really change in your life. So you're kind of at like the beginning of this fight. Mm-hmm. If this is the first thing that you're doing, a lot of the decisions that you make are going to be more radical now 
than they will be, let's say, five or ten years down the road. Hmm. Initially, you've got to cut everything off. Mm-hmm. That means I'm getting a you know a phone that has no internet access. Right. I don't have a laptop. You know, I never shop alone. Yeah, I always have accountability. I check in with my pastor yep. every other day. You know, and it's just like, man, this is a whole lot. As time goes on, though, you're remember you're putting off that former life. You're getting rid of those things. You're cutting them off. They will lose their hold on you, and they won't have that same grip that they used to have. And as time goes on, you'll find that you're walking in more and more victory and more and more freedom, and you're learning, too. You're learning your your own weaknesses and ways. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you have a fall, you have a stumble, you realize, okay, you know what? I need to actually cut something else off, or maybe I need to change the times that I'm allowed to do this, that, and the other thing. Or maybe there's a time where I need to actually cut off iTunes altogether or something like, yeah. for example, like, you right. know, just, a f- just fast. I need to do a fast or something. I'm going to take the next six months and do this, you know, extreme thing. You keep living a life like that after two, three, six plus years. I'm telling you, you will see that you have more freedom and your heart is becomes renewed. Yeah. And you don't desire those things like you used to. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as much of a temptation. Right as it used to be. So it, it may seem like it's being radical and super restrictive right now, but that's okay. That's good. It's good, but you have to take that initial plunge. Yeah, yeah. And that's good too, because really what's at the heart of it is not all the rules, but being mastered by something. Yes. You know, so then yes. like you're saying, in six years, you could go on Facebook, but you're not... Potentially. <laughs> I'm not saying that you... Yes. And, and this is the, the very clear distinction. What, what we're not saying is that after six years, you can start living the same kind Correct. of life you're living now. You won't want to. <laughs> you, you, exactly. You won't want to. Yes. So then you might say for a period of time, you know what? I'm not going to watch baseball at all because it's just mastered me. Well, yep. in five years, you can watch a baseball game and that's it. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. watched it. You enjoyed it and you're done. It's yeah. not controlling you. Yes. That's the point. Yes. What is controlling you? Yes. And um, once the Lord begins to control you, then you can enjoy some of those things in a way that is still honoring and pleasing to Him, and you're, yeah, you're just living in freedom. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And then your lifestyle will match up with your profession of faith. Yeah. And yeah. that's a beautiful thing when you know you don't have to have a double life anymore. Yeah. And it's actually the reality of my life is showing that I love the Lord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he's my treasure. Yeah. And it's like, okay, and the That's Lord awesome. sees that too. And now there's like blessings that he could give you and a life in Christ that you have that it's just like, you know what? You can get to the point where the world is dead to me and I to the world, you know, and that's where I'm striving for and hoping one day to get to where it's just like the things of this world just don't have a hold of me anymore. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Like, I'm with the Lord now. That's yeah, it. That's awesome. And that's a step into, that's eternity right there. That's not going to go away. All right, before we wrap up things today, we did record a roundtable discussion with three of our staff members, Kyle, Josh, and Austin. And we're going to release that discussion as bonus content. But here's a sneak peek of some of what they talked about. What have been some of the benefits of separating yourself from the world. Yeah, for me, I've really seen this, um, especially 
coming out of that fantasy world, that fantasy life that I just lived, how that has given me the ability to focus on God, Mm. the ability to see the Lord Mm -hmm. and to take even pleasure and delight in his presence. Mm -hmm. Um, Being separated from that has given me a new capacity Mm -hmm. to enjoy the Lord, to love the Lord, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we're such fickle beings there's there's only one thing that we can love. There's just one thing. I mean, Jesus told us yeah. that you will either serve one or the other, mm-hmm. uh, one master or the other, and I can't be loving the world and loving God at the same time. So having my heart been purified and still being purified from that, that has given me a new desire even for the things of God, a desire to to be in the word and in prayer, a desire to pour my life out and has cleared away. I mean, it's just, it's like you become intoxicated. You come Mm -hmm. just polluted with the world to the extent that the things of God just are like, meh, like I don't really feel like seeking the Lord, but that's, it has increased my hunger for God. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things for me that I'm grateful for. That's really just huge for me. Yeah. And you, yeah, that's it. Like just, you mentioned like what stood out to me when you said that is like to see him. Mm-hmm. And I've been reflecting on that the last few mornings, like, man, just to see Jesus, like just to, just to have that veil all the way back. But I would have never cared. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never cared. But now yeah. I'm like, I want that veil back so bad. Like just to look him dead in the eyes one time for as long as a fickle human can do so. Like just to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And then- and then for me, I always you mentioned earlier, Austin, like the thoughts. Mm-hmm. I when I came here, I couldn't think straight. Like we would have the week long talk fasts. Mm-hmm. I hated those, hated them so much because no one else is saying anything, no one else is distracting me from mm-hmm. me. It's mm-hmm. just it's just me, just spinning around. Oh my gosh, it, it was horrible. I felt there was one over the winter where I. Felt felt like I was going nuts. Like mm-hmm. I was in the shower and all I could think is I just want to put my head through this wall. I can't my think, but I think so clearly now. Yeah. It's not awful anymore. Like I just, yeah. it just, it's that cleanliness. It's that cleaning mm-hmm. internally. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it just has cleaned out my skull and it feels so wonderful. Wow. That's <laughs> amazing. It's, um, I know for me, gratitude is what I have now mm-hmm. that I didn't have when I was in the world, it was always a push for something more. I was never satisfied. And to realize, at least for me, that I can be content mm-hmm. with what the Lord's given me. Yeah. And I'm satisfied in it. And I'm satisfied in having Him. Mm-hmm. That's what's different. Getting that worldliness out of my life has helped me to be grateful, to see the Lord, and then also to see other people. Mm-hmm. You know, to be able to look at you guys, to be able to look at Kyle and Austin and be concerned for them. Mm-hmm. How are they doing when mm-hmm. before it's just like, well, I don't care. Right. Because they're kind of just a speed bump in my way, you know, right. when now it's more like, I want, I really want to know how those people are doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just more peace in that life than yeah. the life that I had before. Yeah. So much more peace. I have more peace and more fulfillment now than I ever had. Mm. After, yeah, years of trying to pursue my own way, now 
now giving all of that up mm-hmm. and living a simple life like we do here now is so much rest in that. Yeah. We're so thankful for it. All right, that does it for today. If you'd like to hear the entire roundtable discussion, that is available wherever you get your podcasts. It's also available on our website at purelifeministries.org slash podcast. Just look for the bonus content for episode number 492. I trust that this episode was a help to you as you're seeking to walk in close fellowship with Jesus. We're not sure quite yet how many episodes are going to be in this series, probably at least 12, so please stick with us. By the end of this, I think you're going to have a really solid understanding of the goals and strategies of the enemy in these days, as well as an awareness of where your particular vulnerabilities are so that you can fight effectively against the enemy of your soul. All right, that's it for this episode, and we'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.